Would you stand to your feet, please, in preparation for the Word and in honor of the Word. What a beautiful song and what anointed singing. Please go with me to 1 Corinthians for our lesson this morning, chapter number 9. As you put it on the screen, I want to begin reading at verse number 24. You're finding that, and tomorrow, for many of the counties, if it hasn't already taken place for a few counties in the metro area, and much of Georgia school begins, and probably all of us have a representation of someone, a child, a grandchild, or someone in the connection of the family, a teenager, or a college student, or you yourself may be a student. And I want... I want us to keep them in prayer all the time. Amen. Pray for our administrators. We have quite a number of teachers and administrators as part of our church family, people in, in all lines of work. Brother Eddie Kirk is, a, is an SRO officer at a particular school where he not only ministers protection, but the anointing of the Lord. And I, I tell you that we need to pray against uh, kids with the wrong crowd, kids being exposed to drugs, alcohol, promiscuous sex, and violence of all kinds that would in- invade. we got to pray that prayer returns in school and not at the flagpole. Amen? So we gotta, we got to cover our children and our administrators and bless the schools. But I want to read to you this morning in keeping with the Spirit's leading for today's word, chapter number 9, 1 Corinthians, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Verse 26, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest while I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I I like the modern vernacular of the message, out of which Pastor Chad read moments ago. And this is how it's rendered in the message. The message says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fade or fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everybody else all about it, and then missing out myself. I want to talk to you today in the spirit of the Olympics, pursuing the G-O-L-D and G-O-A-L. Take 30 seconds and pray for me and for school and students on tomorrow. Reach your hands in my direction. Come on. Pray for me and then let's pray for all of our students and families. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the anointing that's flowing here. And I pray, O God, for unction from the glory world and from the presence of God to impart wisdom and knowledge to me and strength that I might rightly divide the word so that it would minister to the hearer and hearers. And that, O God, we not just run and quit, but we run to the finish line. 
Give us strength. Give us wisdom. Give us determination. Give us drive and energy. And I would pray for those things I mentioned earlier regarding our children, our students, our faculty, our staff, administration, everyone that works in the public education system, in the home schools, and other schools that afford the opportunity of learning for many. I pray for protection. Can I get an amen? I pray for provision, O oh God, for your glory. I pray, O oh God, that, that, that the, the prayers and the word of, of the Christian faith would be allowed, O oh God, into the lives of every student and the buildings and place where it make a difference. God, lead us from glory to glory and faith to faith. And I thank you that we are not leaving as we came. In Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you for being seated in the presence of the Lord. You might keep your scriptures open to this reference. This week I've been rather interested and fascinated by the Olympic Games in London. It is a worldwide and world-class sporting event. And so I live out some of my dreams in the athletes. (laughs) Dreams, unless God gives me the glorified body while I'm in this earth, ain't going to happen. So every night after the revival, one of the ways that I unwind is just turn the TV on and watch them do it. I've fallen asleep on them several times, but uh, got back up to to see them keep going. Mike, who is our, Mike Steigel, who is our media director and our media specialist here at the church, I asked Mike on yesterday to prepare for me some pictures uh, about the Olympics that help us get in the spirit of what I want to say to you about pursuing the gold. And so he's done so, and, and while there would be a lot of pictures that could be shown, if you dim the lights up here just a little bit, it can be discerned even a little better. Uh, of course, this is our team, you know, our USA team, and, and the opening ceremony was Friday night a week ago, and even though their, their outfits are made in China, we're going to fix that next Olympics. And I, I thought it was outstanding. This is the girl of the hour, you know. Gabby Douglas, am I right? Man, how awesome she is. And if anybody can do that, they deserve this. A gold medal winner. I think maybe about 16 or 18 years. I don't know, maybe about, I don't know exactly the age. Yeah, wow, what a future. And, and you know, and here, here are the prizes, okay? And you already know this, but I'm just preparing you for the word this morning. You got gold, silver, and bronze pursuing the gold. And of course, you know this face and you know this image. Yeah, number 23 medals in the Olympics. Michael Phelps. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I, and, and I'm showing you this for you to understand that I wish I could be this. I just wish I could jump. They say white men can't jump, neither can Indian men, but thank God for these men. You know, that's the Olympics, you know, and it don't just happen. Here's another star, a high school student in the swimming division. Boy, here's another star. She, Serena Williams and her sister, you know. And I'm telling you, it inspires me to see these people reach the goal because I know they didn't start practicing the day before. And, And here, I don't know what this is. I just know it's our soccer team. They ain't won the goal yet, but whatever it takes to win, standing on your head if necessary, they'll do it. And of course, here's a group of, uh, of women in the, in the rowing competition. And, and I'm just saying to you that, that it is so uh, interesting and challenging and competitive and disciplined when I see these athletes come up to the line and perform like they do, all in pursuit of the gold. I... Uh, I had occasion a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, to, to visit our family dentist, who is now in London at the games. And he has closed his practice here in Noonan for the duration of the games because he cannot 
leave his office open and the staff working without the, according to the law, the proper supervision. And we have a dentist also as part of our church family, proper supervision of a qualified dentist. And I thought he was going to the games as a fan of the games. But he is going as one of 100 dentists who have been invited by the United States Olympic Committee to serve our athletes. He is going uh, along with, there will be another 100 doctors and surgeons and, 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 and people of other medical skills who will be in London solely for the purpose of serving the would-be needs of our athletes if they occur. For security reason, they don't want no uh, foreign doctors fixing our athletes, okay? And for competitive reasons, they don't want any foreign doctors uh, giving them certain kinds of drugs and disqualifying them for the game. And it's possible. I, I would say that they're taking it pretty seriously, wouldn't you? Because such as it is for those who pursue the discipline of the gold. Now, our text this morning is written by the Apostle Paul who uses... A metaphor of the ancient Greek games as a representation of the Christian life. Paul uses what was back then. In this passage, he's referring to the Isthmian games in writing to the Corinthian church. Because he knew the Corinthians would understand the comparisons he would be making in this passage. Since the Isthmian Games took place on the Isthmus on which the city of Corinth was located. This Isthmian Games of which Paul writes comparing the Christian life to. Took place every two years ten miles outside the city of Corinth. These games brought people from every part of the Mediterranean to compete in the games or just watch the games. It was the sporting event of the years, drawing the empire's best talent. Athletes would compete in foot races, broad jumping, discus throwing, wrestling, boxing, gymnastics, and equestrian contests. They would compete fiercely, each striving for the Isthmian crown, which was a wreath of wild celery. Not gold, not silver, not even a gold medallion, but a wreath. Winners, along with receiving the wreath, Received a lifetime exemption from paying taxes and serving in the military. Both good incentives to be in the games. They would also receive free tuition at one of their universities. Statues of themselves would be erected along the road that led to the site of the games. But the real prize was the salary wreath awarded to the winner... At the end of the games. This event was regarded by the Greeks as a great national and religious festival. The Isthmian Games. One writer by the name of Dean Stanley describes the significance of the games to the people of that time with these words. This was one of the festivals which exercised so great an influence over the Grecian mind, which were, in fact, to their imaginations, what the temple was to the Jews, 
and the triumph to the Romans. Paul the Apostle, knowing what prominence this event had on the minds of the people, used the games to teach some lessons about the Christian life. Isn't that what Jesus did on many occasions when he taught parables? He used what the people were accustomed to about agricultural life and other kinds of things to teach them. And so what we find is that Paul likens the Christian life to a race. I will say more about that in just a moment. But from our text, I would like to extract four thoughts that Paul brings out as we pursue the gold. G-O-L-D and G-O-A-L. What I'd like to encourage you this morning to do is to pursue the gold in your marriage. I'd like to encourage you to pursue your, uh, the gold in your spiritual disciplines. Give me a witness. I'd like for you to pursue not the bronze or the silver or just run in raising your children. I'd like for you to pursue the gold. In, uh, somebody help me here. I'd like for you to pursue the gold in where you work, in your dreams and your vision. Because God can give us, if God will give us the power of a dream, God will give us the resources of arriving there. Somebody put your hands together and thank God for the gold that He set before us. So I want to talk about the first of four things, the race. And you might imagine, as I said to you, that the Christian life may be compared to a race. Back then, in the Isthmian Games, quite like the Olympic Games now, the stadium where the spectators gathered was rather an invigorating, exciting spectacle. At the end of one side of the stadium and and of course now they're more circular than they were back then they were like two rows if you will and then the field in between like you would see at a high school stadium but back then what you'd find is the competing athletes at one end of the stadium awaiting the signals to start at the other end of the stadium would be the judges who would judge the competitors holding up the prize before them While all around in the stadium, tier upon tier, rises upon rises, as now we can see in the London Olympics, way up many stories high, would be seated crowds and crowds of spectators. The Christian life, Hebrews 12 and 1 says, is a race for the great prize offered by God for every successful runner. Can I get a witness, somebody? Because the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12 and 1 that we are surrounded. Oh, I'm just teaching right now, but the whoop glory is on the way. That Hebrews 12 and 1 says, let us run this race with patience. Seeing that we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. Help me preach here, somebody. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily beset us and let us run this race with patience, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. The people sitting beside you this morning are really not against you. They are for you. Can I get an amen? But the people... Oh, 
I'm going to not get past the introduction, but I'm going to have a good time. There are people, my mother has gone on 12 years ago to glory, and she's saying, keep running, Alan. I have buried men and women of God from in this church, either here at this place having their service and going to their graveside. I have buried numerous people born again by the blood of the Lamb, and they are in the clouds saying to Alan Matura and South Metro Ministry, I've arrived. It's everything God said it would be. And so you just keep on running. You may have to slow down, but keep on running. A great cloud of witnesses. And so the Bible says not only this race is one to be compared with the Christian life and their great cloud of witnesses, but the Bible says the race is set before us. As is in the Olympics, it is not a haphazard thing. The runners run on a predetermined course And the goal has been identified. Can I get a witness? Oh, how I enjoyed watching yesterday the 10,000 meters foot race. And uh, it was like a 26-minute race. And it was right before I was supposed to come pick up Brother and Sister Shawa at the hotel. And I told him 5 o'clock and I was going to try to be at my time. But Brother Shawa, it was mighty close because I wanted to see the race. A gentleman, Mo Farah, is that right, Mike? You help me out with the sports, make me look good. Uh, if it ain't right, no, I will. There's no difference. Uh, anyhow, no, his name is Farah from England. He came to America 14 months ago to train with an American coach uh, in Colorado for running the Olympics so he would represent the British and, of course, that would be the hometown advantage, home country. But one of the American runners partnered up with Mo. And I think his last name is Rudd. And trained with him for 14 months. And, and you know, I'm just going to have a little, a little fun here, okay? Don't, don't, I ain't attacking nobody, okay? White men can't jump and they can't run either. Long distances, okay? Long distances, all right? I mean, you know, you usually see some, some, some other nations represented. But, but this, this, this American had been practicing for 14 months. With this African who is now a, a, a citizen of, of England. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You seen any of that? huh? And I'm thinking, oh God, there, there must be about 40 runners. And they're going to run for 26 minutes, a 10,000 meter. And I'm expecting this American to finish up about 29, you know. Because you start off good. But man, I want to tell you the course had been set. They were to run this complete race. And only the one that got to the end would have completed. Only the one that win would get the wreath, or in this case, the gold. I want to tell you, they ran. They were from Belize. They were from Kenya. They were from Ghana. They were from Greece. They were from Italy. They were from England. And uh, the gentleman Farah from England finished first and the American finished in second place. I was amazed by the American. You know why? Because he ran with a winner. Somebody help me here. He ran for 14 months with a winner. He said, I'm going to do what a winner does. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to run long. I'm going to run in the snow. I'm going to run in the heat. I'm going to run when I feel like it. I'm going to run when I don't feel like it. I'm going to go to church when I want to. I'm going to go to church when I don't. I'm going to tithe and give when I don't. I'm going to clap my hands, worship God, because I am going to run to win. Somebody help me praise the Lord. 
Now listen, the racer must keep to the rules of the course and confine himself within the limits of the stadium. Let me, let me tell you something. Just like the racer must honor the rules of the referee and the whole event, I want to tell you something about running this race as a Christian. We are not at liberty to choose what grounds we run on. We are not at liberty to invent a shortcut. If we're running this race to win, we are not at liberty to seek an easy road. It, the race has been set by God Himself. Jesus Christ in the flesh came and walked out and ran out the race. Can I get an amen, somebody? I know what is politically correct in our culture now. But I'm here to tell you, you are not being driven as a child of God in this race by what is politically correct. The race has been set before you. I know in this political climate what the culture says. I know the culture calls for and the politicians call for and the president calls for sanction to same-sex marriage. But that's not the race God called you and I to run in. Thank God for Dan Cathy. Thank God for Truth Cathy. Thank God for Chick-fil-A. And thank God for a man who says, I don't care what the world says. I'm running the race set by God. I'll close my restaurant on Sunday. And I'll serve everybody black, white, whatever, or whatever your choice is. But I'm not going to compromise the race. Uh, let me t- Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. Mm-mm. Paul says... Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. Look at your neighbor and say, run to win. Then tell them, sorry for interrupting your sleep. Matthew's gospel, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, listen to this. The race is not to the one who runs the swiftest or the one who just lasts for one day. The race is what Jesus said. It goes to he that endures until the end. The same shall be saved. Well, we look at the runner. We look at the race. Let's think about the runner. In the Isthmian games of which Paul references in our text, no one could join in as a participant in the games if they were not a free man and unspotted in their character. Now here's what would happen at the start of every competition over every athlete. As the competitors appeared in the stadium for their event, the crier, the heralder, because they didn't have a public address system back then, the heralder would announce the name and put his hand over the head of the participant. He would demand the silence of everybody in the stadium, the heralder. And then he would ask this question over every participant's head, one by one in succession. Is there anyone here who can accuse this man of being a slave or being guilty of any moral wrongs in his life? 
if any stain was found in his character, I mean, you've got thousands of people who stand up and say, he stole my hog. He lied. He took money. Anybody, if there was any stain found in his character by anybody in the stand of, of reputable evidence, he would be disqualified from participation. That's the criteria of unspotted character. And we know now that, that there are random drug tests for participants. Can I get a witness? Only because of the possibility of somebody winning a goal that didn't really earn it, they doped it. And, and I say that to tell you that if you're going to run to win, you've got to constantly, and I've got to constantly, be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've got to constantly say, God, I messed up and, and I didn't mean to forgive me. Can I get an amen? I'm not giving anybody a license to sin. But just like an unspotted athlete could participate. The Bible says only those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb and have their garments washed without blemish, without wrinkle, will be allowed into the reward of the gold. I'm hastening to tell you this morning, oh help me Jesus, that... A true runner is not a pretender, but a contender. Give me a witness, somebody. Uh, Let me see if I can help here. In verse 24, the Bible says in our text, Run in such a way as to get the prize. P-R-I-Z-E. I tell you that if any word could describe the Apostle Paul in this Christian race, it would be the word that he was a contender. In Acts chapter 14, the Bible says Paul was preaching in a city known as Lystra. And some of his enemies stirred up the crowd to come against him in his preaching the gospel. And they pelted him with stones and drug him outside the city and left him to die. And the Bible said after Paul came to and revived again, he went back in the same city of Lystra to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would say that that man was not a pretender. I would say that man is a contender. Can somebody say praise the Lord? And I'm here to tell you, no wonder Paul could say in 2 Timothy 4 and 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. God is not going going to reward pretenders. He is going to reward with the gold those who are contenders. You see, I've come to understand there's a huge difference between contenders and pretenders. Pretenders are concerned about their image and impressing somebody. But contenders are concerned about authenticity, truth, and integrity. Give me an amen. There's a huge difference between pretenders and contenders. Pretenders settle for mediocrity. Just get by. I really can't make an A on my report card, but a C will get me by. Mediocre. Come on, help me here, somebody. I don't want to have to meddle and call names, but, but cont- contenders, c- pretenders just go through the motion. But, but contenders strive not for mediocrity, but for excellence. There's a difference between pretenders and contenders. Pretenders quit in difficulty, but contenders grow through difficulties. Did I hear somebody say amen? You see, what Paul is trying to say, if you really want to win in the Christian life and in the church, you must be a contender. 
what, what I like about contenders is there are two strong characteristics you recognize. Contenders are competitive and they are goal-oriented. Oh, help me, Jesus. They, they, they compete with others of like disciplines, but they got a goal in mind. And while the athletes and the runner and the swimmer and the discus thrower and all the others have a certain uh, environments whereby they, they polish themselves and improve themselves, we in this Christian journey, we have to compete with certain influences that we've got to be aware of. I won't take a lot of time to detail them except to say to you that we have to compete with societal influences, satanic influences. Selfish influences. Somebody here, hear me here. Mama, every, every day of our lives, there's a competition for our heart. You need to write that down and remember that. Somebody, did you hear me? The, the, the Bible says, seek those things that are above. Do not set your affections on things of the earth. Every day of our lives, there's a competition for our, for, for, for our hearts. Will I worship money more than God? Will I worship pleasure more than God? Will I worship self more than God? Will I worship my children more than God? Will I worship my house or my car or my property? Or my, come on, help me here. Or my talent more than God? Will I worship my ego more than God? Well, society is bending in certain directions. And, 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 and you know, we, we got all this cultural change and we got all this relativism going on so the, the society pulls at us there's coming a television show now on NBC of which I am not intending to look at but I'm exposing hoping you won't look at it it's called the new normal which represents homosexuality and lesbianism in prime time I hope you don't look at it and if you do your television blows up you can blame me yeah the new normal Societal influences. They tell me that the stocks have dropped for J.C. Penney's ever since they hired Ellen DeGeneres, the, the lesbian Ellen DeGeneres, as their spokesperson. May their stocks keep dropping because I quit shopping at Penny's. And somebody said, well, what if you run out of clothes, I'll just go to Salvation Army and buy some or get some to me. Because my, my value system about this race has nothing to do with society or Satan. I take my running orders from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And He who has begun a good work in me will complete it until the day I hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yeah. Sit down just a minute. You know, you, <laughs> I, you can just, when you hear me preach like this, you can just say, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Money running out the door because they ain't going to give to the building fund. See, I ain't building this church for you or me. I'm building it for the glory of God. Okay? So in this presidential election, be sure that you understand that your economy is not of eternal value. Your soul is. Well, I'm going to vote for so-and-so because of the jobs. I'm going to vote for so-and-so because of the housing. No, no, you, be, you better vote eternally. Okay? You better vote eternally. You, you better vote. Uh, and you need to understand now. You need to understand that I'm trying my best not to be political. But I'm also trying my best to get you folks to heaven. Okay? Okay? So when I stand in the presence of God, I don't, I, I don't want to hear God said you should have spoke up and you didn't. Okay? You and I weren't born last night. I've been pastoring this church 27 years. There have been several presidents coming 
and go on in my time at this church. And every election, I tell you the same thing. And I'm telling you, if you're going to run this race and win, you better not make your choice by society's values or Satan influence or your selfish desires. You better sign your name on the line where God can bless your life. There is a competition every day for your heart. The longer I live with my life, my wife, the more I love my wife. I'm telling you that not to get any points. She's not here. She'll be in the second service. I'll, I'll add some more to it then. Points can't hurt, but I'm not trying to earn them right now. But the shower, it may be the same. The longer we live with our spouse... The more I don't want to eat with everybody, if I'm tired, I just want to eat with her. Come on and help me preach here, somebody. I know if you ain't saying amen, your wife's sitting by you. Probably a good time for you to go ahead and then repent later. The more I'm with my wife, the more I want to be with my wife. I'm telling you that sincerely. I'm married out of my league. Don't say amen. I've seen who you married. The longer I preach this gospel, even though the fire gets turned up, even though the conflict gets hotter, the longer I serve Jesus. I'm going to tell you this. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd still serve Jesus. If I, if, if, wherever this life goes, you know, I, I, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I, I'm telling you that out of experience. I'm not telling you that for commercial value. And, and I'm saying to you. That he who has kept you will keep you. I need to hurry. Ma, 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 ma. Let me tell you very quickly now. Because i got to get you all out of here so the next track can come in. We've lost 70 parking spaces back here for only this week. So i got to make sure, okay? So hang in here with me. The rigors, the rigors of pursuing the goal. The message says, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. Ma, ma, ma. Stand up one more time, Brother Shawa. Stand up one more time. Would you stand right there? <laughs> See, here's the difference of this pastor and this pastor. Turn this way with me. Look at, look at this man. Look how fit at 70 years old. Pray for me, would you? <laughs> you, you can be seated. It's called key lime pie, apple pie, and nana pudding. So I'm talking about a spiritual race right now. Just keep praying for me. Before I read the next line. I'm giving it everything I got. I'm telling you that as a pastor. I'm giving it everything I got. No sloppy living for me. I got to turn off the TV sometimes when I'm interested in the program because the tone and the content has changed. I got to dismiss somebody in a conversation sometimes because they're leading to a joke that ain't going to be what I need to hear. Can, can, can you hear? I got to walk away from stuff sometimes because if I raise my, my voice or change my tone, it would, it would, it would, it would hurt me worse. Can, can, uh, no sloppy living for me. Uh, I don't care if you paid $4 for the video. If it's trash, trash it. Can, can, take it back, okay? You know what I'm saying? Don't let anything, no sloppy living. You see, I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everybody else about it, and then miss out myself. Oh, help me, Jesus. Mm -mm -mm. And I'm trying to say to you, Pastor, how can we live this kind of life? How can we overcome? It's because the same God who called you to run is the same God who will give you the Holy Ghost. 
Yeah. The same God who called you to run is the same God when you read your Bible will give you wisdom. The same God who called you to run when you read a dead end or a roadblock or someplace where you feel stagnated is the same God who's going to give you the capacity, the capacity to keep going. There are rigors, but there are rewards. I said there are rewards. Now, they do not do it. Oh, pardon me. Here, here are the, the, the runners in the Isthmian games ran to get a perishable crown. How many know a wreath made of some kind of wild celery going to die soon? How many know that as gold as a gold medal is, every once in a while it's going to need to be shiny? Polished. But back then, before the gold and all the other things, gold medal, silver and bronze, the winner got the wreath. But it would perish. But we as Christians... You see, sometimes you've got to go through the rigor. And I'm trying to wrap it up for the sake of time. I didn't spend a lot of time on the rigor, but let me tell you about the rigor. If you're going, if you're going, to, go, if you're going to win, you're going to have to go through some disciplines. If you're going to win, you're going to have to be like, like Joseph. Before he ended up as prime minister in a foreign land in Egypt, his journey was 17 years from the time they sold him. His brothers sold him to foreigners and 17 years. He ended, first he was in a pit, then he ended up in a prison, and all through it all, I mean, he, he went through rigors like many of what we Christians never will. And it, I'm saying that the rigors are the only way that you can get to the rewards. Say amen, somebody. Moses, Moses was reared and brought up in Pharaoh's court. But when God got ready to deliver Israel, he put Moses 40 years in the desert, talking to sheep. The rigors. Hear me, hear me now. You remember David, the boy David, you know, the boy David who slayed Goliath. Before he was exalted, eventually the king over Israel, he had to run for his life for weeks and years because Saul got jealous of God's anointing on David. The rigors, the rigors. We look at people and say, I wish I could get a gold. You got to pay the price. I wish I could be up there like that preacher. You got to pay the price. I wish I could be a dentist or a doctor or a pilot or a plumber or whatever. You got to pay the price. You may have to go to school. Think about it. Just a thought. We got, we got people in America. We're raising a generation of kids who think somebody owes them something. Yeah, I'm trying to wrap this up. Yeah. So they sit around with a bag of chips that you bought on the couch you're paying for with the remote of the TV you have. And they're 22 years old waiting for a $20 an hour job. Man, go get you a hamburger place and flip some hamburgers and minimum price and do like everybody else who wants the reward and start running somewhere. <laughs> I ain't mad. I'm just anointed. Maybe both. And let me tell you about Jesus and I'm finishing. Even Jesus suffered the rigors before he got the reward. The rigors of 40 days in the desert. Being tempted of the devil three times. Anybody hearing this preacher? So let me tell you this. You've got to avoid these things and I'm just going to touch on them. You got, if you're going to run and win, you've got to avoid, I'll do it tomorrow. Procrastination. I'll do it later. When is a more convenient time? You've got to avoid idleness and slothfulness and laziness. If you're going to run and win, you've got you to watch out for other competitors. Not everybody. You remember Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan? Not if you do. Remember the 1994 Winter Olympics where Tanya Harding's husband, now ex-husband, conspired with three other men to break 
the competitor's leg, Nancy Kerrigan, you remember that? Huh? Not every competitor want to hug you and kiss you when they come in second or third or fourth or last place. You gotta watch out for the competition. If you're gonna, if you're gonna run and win, you gotta, you gotta make some plans. Oh, hallelujah. And you gotta avoid past failures coming back to your mind. If only I had. Forget if only. You got right now. And quit saying I can't. I can do love us so I can do all things. Stand, please. Would you please stand? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Pastor, I, I, I'm going to run to win. God helping me. Everybody, you, you, you've been sitting a while. You should see how I see you. Oh, you, you regret I asked you to stand up. You're just about in that lazy boy posture. Everybody stretch all the way up to glory. Stretch like you're reaching, stretching, and stretch like you're praising the Lord. And shout out, thank you, Jesus. Shout out, hallelujah. Now put your hands together and give the Lord some thanks. Yes! Yes, come on. Help me thank God. Help me thank God. Come on out, praise team. Get ready to sing with him. And, and, and listen to me. Listen to me. I want, I want all my altar workers, Brother Sammy, you just come ahead and stand up here in the front in the name of the Lord. I want to encourage a runner today. I want to encourage a swimmer today. I want to encourage a basketball player. I want to encourage somebody who throws a javelin. That's all sports. What I want to encourage is a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, a teenager, a single mom, a retired person. Anybody hearing me? I want to encourage somebody who thinks I'm better off dead because somebody I love so much has been taken from me. And there's no reason to live. I want to encourage you to keep on running. Can I get a witness? I want to encourage somebody who needs a financial breakthrough today. And you have tithed and given and the devil tell you there's no point in it. And I want to encourage you to keep obeying God. I want to encourage you, somebody stab you in the back, not, not physically or, or actually for violence purposes with a real knife, but they stabbed you in the back over what they've said or didn't say or didn't fulfill their promise. I want to encourage keep running. Can I get an amen? Keep, it, the, the, the battle may be hard, but the victory is... You see, let me tell you this. If I ask you what is the reward that we're striving for, most of you and all of you would say, uh, heaven is the reward. That's partially correct. It is not completely correct. Yes, heaven is the reward to the race, but you know what the real reward is? A changed life now. Go ahead and help me praise the Lord. Yes. I want you to get the reward now, okay? The reward for running is a changed life now. It's healing for your body now. A miracle for your marriage now. Sound mind now. The children that you have that may be with the wrong crowd or, or dabbling with drugs or alcohol or promiscuous sex. I want you to have a changed life now. Bow your heads, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pastor, I've started running, but I've sat by the wayside for a while until I'm out of the race. And I don't even know if I have the courage to get up again. My get up... And go has get up and gone. And I don't even know if I want to try for my marriage. I don't even know if I want to try for my kids. I don't even want to try for my finances. Uh, and walking with God, I, I've been seeking some things and I ain't heard from Him. I feel like I haven't and, and it's discouraged me. But I want to get back in the race. Oh, pray, Christians, in, in your, to your own self and your spirit, I want to get back in the race. And I'm not going to get a wreath that perishes or a metal that tarnishes. I want God to say to me, well done. Well done. Would I have a, a person here this morning and heads bowed and eyes closed and I will not embarrass you. But pastor, I'm not even in the race. I've been running with the wrong crowd and the goal that the wrong crowd has will cause me to miss heaven and I know it. And I kept saying, pastor, that another day I will come, another time, another opportunity 
I've been with the wrong competitors. I don't have a plan. But I need for God to be my coach, my instructor, my companion. I need the Lord. If that's you, nobody looking, raise your hands. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. We'll come to Him the first time. Hold it up. All over the church, just hold it up for a moment. I'm not going to embarrass you. Numbers of hands. Would you put it down now? Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray over you first. Father, I ask you this morning, if you raise your hands, I want you to tell Him, God, I mean business. And I am not just going to be a pretender. I am going to be a contender. I ask you this morning by the blood of the Lamb to wash and cleanse us from all impurities that impede our progress. I want everybody in the church to lift your hands to the Lord with me as an act of surrender. Would you do that? And for myself and you, not just for those who raise their hands, repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I come today transparent. You see me. And better than I can describe myself, you already know me. I ask you, Lord, to cleanse me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your cleansing blood. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Son of God. Live in me. Turn my life around. Put me on the right course. Fill me with your spirit and let me run this race to win. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now give our Lord some praise. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to dismiss in a moment, and here's how I want to close. If you need prayer for anything, and you'd want to come stand here and have our ministry team just pray with you because you need encouragement. As we transition from one service to the next, take a few moments, come by, and let, oh my, my, let, let the blood of Jesus touch you again. The word of Jesus. Please hear me. Please hear me. Everybody needs a little encouragement. They tell me in order to work out and be successful, you need to get a workout partner. Jesus is your partner. Jesus will be your husband if you don't have one. He'll be your wife if you don't have one. He'll be your mother or your father. What song are we singing there? Got one in mind? Yeah. yeah. Before we go, let's, let's, let's just sing it together. Oh, blessed be God. I just, just want you to get a song in your mind. Lead it. Lift your hands with me. In a moment, I'll dismiss you. But right now, just, just lift your hands. Make this commitment. Make this commitment to the race.